On this podcast, we talk to thought leaders about feminine and masculine energy and how it shows up in our business, our parenting, and especially our relationships. We'll dig deep on any and all topics under the sun. Grab a coffee and buckle up. This is the She's the Owner podcast. Hey everybody, it's Kara with the She's the Owner podcast and uh, we've had a theme with having gentlemen on the show recently and uh, it's been amazing and we've had some really wicked guys come on. So today we have Kyrie Oliver and so he's going to tell us a bit about, you're in the coaching world, so um, I find that the men in the coaching world have the best and and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but they have they seem to have the best handle on masculine, feminine energy conversations. Um, and I, do you know Neil Conlon? I'm not sure if you know who I, he's. I in our, okay, so he's doing a lot of work around this topic, and so that's part of why I wanted to bring you on because it, it's an important conversation, especially right now in teaching how men how how to get into their mature masculine and not in their wounded. So introduce yourself a little bit further. Tell us what you're up to, and then we'll get we'll get going. Yeah, thank you. So, like I said, or like she said, my name is Kyrie Oliver. Um, I'm 26 from Northern California. I own a digital marketing and advertising agency. Um, I do men's coaching. I do relationship coaching, masculinity coaching. I'm not sure what I call it yet. I really like helping people be better people. Um, and I'm kind of just figuring out what space that looks like for me. But a lot of times it's, it's helping men be better men. Um, but I find a lot of my work is like working with powerful women as well, helping them uh, learn about the masculine and, and, help them step back kind of into their feminine in some ways. Um, so I, I'm really kind of just figuring my, my area in this space right now, but it's something I've always been called to do. It's something I'm supposed to do. So I kind of just go with the flow. Um, have you ever, have you gone to any Tony Robbins events? I have. So I, I worked with Brendan Burchard for two and a half years as a volunteer okay. at all of his events. So I've been to nice. 20. Um, and I've been to Date with Destiny and UPW, not as a, a participant, but kind of just helping out and hanging out. Oh, so you were crewing. Okay. Volunteer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I crew a lot of events. I'm crewing the um, UPW. I've gone to, that'll be my sixth one in two years. It's, it's getting up there, but uh, it, I'm called to serve in that way. And it's, it's an incredible experience. So did you, when did you do Date with Destiny? You, were you a participant in that one? No, I was not. Oh, okay. I've never been a participant at any Robbins events. Um, it's just kind of been somebody's asked if, if they need help with X, Y, and Z, and I've always kind of just hopped in. Um, nice. But yeah, with Brendan, I was at every single event for two and a half years. Um, but yeah, I, I just like the whole personal development space. I like the coaching space. Uh, I'm, I'm in here to try to remedy. I think a lot of the, the things that I see could be done better. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but that gave me a really good baseline of kind of what it should look like as far as um, the emphasis being on changing people's lives. Right. So when you were young, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were thinking, I'm going to do this? Did you have oh, any? <laughs> I wanted to be an NBA player. And then I started playing football and I wanted to be an NFL player. And then luckily I got to play uh, at a division one university in college, played football. Um and then literally right after, I mean, I cut my career short, ended up with an injury and got right into mm. personal development. I read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Yep. Changed my entire perspective on life. Then started going to Brandon Burchard's events. The first event I went to, my friend and I got pulled aside and they said, hey, we need some big guys to help with security. Mm-hmm. And I launched into that for the next two and a half years. 
That's amazing. So, so tell us, I mean, you don't have to go too, too deep, but I mean, as deep as you want to go, but what was your childhood like? Like, was this something that was in your environment to learn about as a kid or is it, did you just kind of stumble upon it? How did that happen? Yeah, it was literally just through a friend who I ended up going to the events with. Um, he was actually my trainer in high school, became a good mentor of mine. Uh, we, we had sort of a falling out back in 2016. Um, but he, he really kind of showed me this space. We both grew up, he's 10 years older than I am, uh, both grew up on opposite sides of this main crappy street in Northern California. Uh, I grew up, um, I, I joke that I grew up like a, a poor white kid. Um, yeah. We grew up in a, in a poor white community, raised by a single white mom. My brother and I are both half black, half white. So there was a whole confusion with that growing up. We kind of had to build our own identities early because it was, I don't look like the white kids. I don't necessarily act like the black kids that we grew up with. Where do I fit in the middle? Um, so we just kind of had to get a grasp on ourselves and who we were very early. Wow. So did your mom ever, was she into any of this kind of stuff? Like, no way. She got thrown it's into parenthood. At, at yeah. <laughs> she didn't I, I got thrown in myself. It's, yep. I have a, um, well, my kids are, are older than you actually, which is crazy. I have a 32 year old stepdaughter, um, a 23 year old, a 19 year old and an 11 year old, all girls. And, um, it's the, the interesting thing about being a single mom is that's like you're, you're conditioned to be in your masculine because Mm -hmm. you have to be, if you don't, if you're not getting shit done, it's not getting done. And and that's often what we see. Um, so when did you realize you wanted to be an entrepreneur that you were not cut out to go and do the nine to five? Oh, probably second grade. (laughs) Very early. Wow. Wow. I, I just, and I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. I remember we were uh, in kindergarten. We had the fifth graders come in and kind of teach us about what to expect in elementary school and everything. And then we had some high school seniors come in and kind of just talk to us about like after elementary, middle school, what, what kind of life decisions you have to make, things like that. But it was very catered towards five-year-olds. And uh, I remember them talking about what entrepreneurship was, but now looking back, I realize seniors in high school don't really know what it is either. Right. Yeah. Um, but it just, the word intrigued me. I, I liked that it was different. I liked that it was something else. Um, and I've never really wanted a, a regular career. I, I've never considered a regular career, not at any point in my life. That's an, yeah. Cause a lot of, a lot of time. So when I was in my twenties, I like looking back now, I know I was an entrepreneur, same thing, probably from like five years old, yeah. but I'm 44. And so like in my twenties, that's what you did when you were fucked up and you couldn't do anything else. Truthfully, (laughs) that is it. It's like, Oh, she's going to be an, or a real estate agent. Those are your two options. If you didn't want a traditional, and I never fit traditional anything. I came from an uh, alcoholic parents and group homes and all this stuff. But, um, it's interesting because now it's like, there's the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world and the Brenda Bouchard's of the world. And it's cool to be an entrepreneur Mm-hmm. Now it's still, but the hustle's real, right? And it's it's totally not um, like and and I think t- maybe talk a bit about. I, I mean, I know you're relatively new to your journey, but talk a bit about your passion to help people because I think the the thing that a lot of young men in particular get mixed up is that they see the money, they see the all that stuff, and they think that's the ticket, that's my ticket. But it's not mm-hmm. like if you don't have passion for what you're doing, you're up a creek. Like that mm-hmm. is the real talk. You're not going to, st- it's not sustainable. So talk a little bit about where you're at in that process. Like, do you feel hooked in your passion now that enough that it will sustain you? 
Yeah, I, I'm just led by it. It's always been there. I don't. I didn't know how to quantify it and know how to put words around it, but it's just that thing that sits right here. And I, again, I felt it since I was four or five years old. So I, I still don't know how to put a word to it. Um, I know entrepreneurship isn't the word. I know men's coaching isn't the word, but there's something here that I need to to give. Um, and a lot of it comes from you know lacking that as a child. I didn't have that singular masculine figure to say, here's how you present yourself as a man in the world. Right. Um, so I had to go figure a lot of things out. Google and YouTube have been probably what, what helped me most to become a man. Um, now I had other family members. I have people on my mom's side of the family who, uh, who were there and, and stood as good, positive, masculine figures. But I kind of had to piece together what manhood looked like for me. Teachers, coaches, friends, dads, um, so I, what I would say is my, my masculine figure is made up of probably 30 different men that I've met throughout my life and have kind of showed me different bits and pieces of, I like how he handles money. I like how he handles his marriage. I like how he interacts with his children. I kind of just took pieces from people and started attaching them to myself. Hey, I want to exhibit those characteristics when I'm in this situation, when I'm dealing with money, when I'm dealing with work, when I'm dealing with X, Y, and Z, um, and really what I wanted to put together is a solid place where young men can come and say, hey, look, here's a good view of masculinity. Here's a good mm-hmm. view of the steps we should take in whatever area and uh, bring a more well-rounded view of masculinity to the world. I, I have a big problem. And again, I've been in the coaching space since I was 19. I started marriage counseling people when I was 19. I just didn't tell them how old I was. Right. Uh, and it was looking back, I, I probably shouldn't have been giving advice back then, but it was just from books that I had read. And then I started interviewing people. I've interviewed over 900 people now. And I just, I feel like their experiences are attached to me now. I, I can literally say I, I intimately know over 900 people. I've sat wow. down, I've felt them, I've understood them. Um, and now I just kind of want to bring that to other people. So yeah, like I said, it's just, it's kind of always been something that's been there. But when, in, especially in the masculinity space, I see the rah-rah masculine, very militant, very reclaim your balls kind of thing. Yep. And then I see the very flowy feminine masculinity coaching, um, which I think gives the wrong impression as well. I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. It'd be able to flow to both of those sides, but be able to create an equilibrium in the middle as well. Yep. No, that's beautifully said. Um, and it is, a, it is a dance and it, it can happen at any age and it can happen as long as I, I find like as long as people are open to having the conversation, right? I mean, that's always the challenge. So l- let's talk a bit about current events. I mean, right now, the US, I'm in Canada, so it's much calmer here for sure mm-hmm. it, through all of, all of the quarantine and all of this, all of it. But, and, and this is my feeling and this is, before even the rioting and before all of, and the protests are beautiful and I, there's, they're gorgeous. We've had many here and they're beautiful and peaceful and it's a beautiful thing to witness how much. And this is what my feeling is, is that in general, men and women we're so backwards in where our energies are supposed to be men. Like there's wounded men. And I firmly in my soul believe that if everybody could sort of get on the right page and get into their hearts, none of it, none of it would happen. None of it. War wouldn't happen. Nothing. You'd be incapable of of hurting Hurting each other. That's right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even when, when you just witness, because there's a lot of young, angry, pissed off guys. There's a lot of young, angry, pissed off women. So 
and I, and the fact that you're the age you're at, I think is actually perfect, right? Because they might not listen to me. I'm old in their mind, but they mm-hmm. might look at you and be like, he's a young guy. He gets it. Talk to me a bit about your feelings on, cause I, I even feel like these young men who are in situations that they don't want to be in, if they got into their hearts and really started to own what they want mm-hmm. rather than saying what they they think their dad thinks they should do or blah, blah, blah. You know, their dad was, let's say their dad was in, into bad shit, you know, like doing crime, whatever. I feel like if a young man has permission at even 18 or 19 to say, that's wrong, dad. And in my heart, I know I want to do this. And they felt strong enough and compelled enough to show up that way that things would shift regardless mm-hmm. of circumstance. So talk a bit about kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, the hard thing with anything like that is those invisible ties. It's mm-hmm. like, why can't anybody get out of a cult? It's, yep. it's not that you can't leave because you can leave, but really you can't. It's all the invisible ties and nobody else yep. sees. All the cords that are attached. Same thing with, with the generational cycles. You come from a, a family of men who have been gangbanging forever, who have been selling drugs forever. It sounds easy to just say, hey, don't do it. But it's a lot harder to come home and see maybe dad's driving a nice car. Dad's friends have all the things you want. They've got the material side. So maybe that's just my future. And again, I grew up with it. I grew up around it. I understand it. Now I've chosen differently. My brother's chosen differently. My brother's a Los Angeles firefighter. I own a few businesses. Like we've chosen differently than what past generations in our family have chosen. But I also understand what those ties look like. I've seen it. I grew up around it. I have friends who got caught up and I have friends who've died because of it. Um, I've interviewed people who've gone the wrong way. I've interviewed three death row inmates. Um, uh, again, any type of person you could possibly think of I've interviewed and, I, and I've gained perspective on their experiences. So I understand the protests. I, I mean, I live in a nice neighborhood now. I, I, I hang out with other entrepreneurs. I hang out with other successful people and I'll get them telling me, I don't understand how you could ever want to burn a building. And, and I'll explain to them the circumstances that create that. And I, I just posted something last week. Um, it was a clip of Martin Luther King Jr. where he says, you know, while I'll never condone violence, I must also just as aggressively not condone the circumstances which create violent people. Right. And so I think right now we do need to listen. We need to listen to other people's pain while understanding some people are looking to take advantage. There's some Mm -hmm. people who are looting and raiding stores because it's fun or because they know they won't get caught, but there are the people who are hurting and those are the people that need to be listened to and understand why, understand where they come from, understand what they've experienced. And when I talk about people, when they say, Oh, look at it logically, I tell them logic is, is a gift. The logic is a privilege in and of itself for you to be able to look from the outside looking in mm-hmm. and be able to see the logical thing to do. You don't have that when you're hurt. You don't have that when you're desperate. You don't have that when you felt unheard uh, for, again, generations. So I think it all comes from wounded masculinity. Uh, and I've yep. made posts about it before on my Facebook. I've talked about it on podcasts. I don't think there's such thing as toxic masculinity. I think there's it's a wounded. Lack. It's wounded yep. and, it's, and it's a lack of masculinity. Masculinity is pure. I think just like truth, just like feminine energy, I think they're both pure. More of them can't be bad because they are pure in their essence. If we understand them uh, from a whole holistic view, if you understand the empathy and the grit have to go together and they're filtered by your emotional intelligence. So I teach like three pillars of masculinity, having a hot, soft heart, thick skin, and a hard head. Soft heart is your empathy. My ability to feel for you. I can feel what you feel because I've experienced something similar. I felt that feeling. While we may not have the same experiences, 
I can dig in and say when I felt empty, when I felt numb, when I felt unheard and misunderstood. And then the, the emotional intelligence side, that's the thick skin. It's her filtering system for information. How do I feel? Um, and, and let me run through a filter before I act on those feelings. Let me understand them a little bit better before I choose to respond. And then the grit, the hard-headedness is the grit, determination, stick-to-itiveness uh, that it takes to actually succeed, that it takes to, to fulfill on the action that you told yourself you would do. And I think, it, again, it takes a well-rounded view of masculine to fix this. And not everybody has access to that. So you have to feel for them. You have to get, they may not react how I would react to this thing. Yeah. And I mean, and that's like, at the end of the day, um, you only know what you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I think it's our responsibility as human beings who have gone past it, past the challenges, past the adversity, whatever adversity that looks like, I can't compare. I'm, I'll never understand. I understand that I'll never understand. I've had my own shit too. You've had your shit. We've all had our shit. And it's like, when you, when you come to this place, it's important, I think, to stop and look behind you. Mm -hmm. Right. And not, and I think that's, what's missing a lot of the time in society is like, no one's looking back saying, well, who the fuck is back there? And let me go back and pick them up regardless of where they're at. Let me pick them up. And I think, um, there are hard conversations to have regardless of the state of the world right now. It's still a hard conversation to have when you see somebody, I mean, the, the frustration I come to often is I see people hurting and I'm like sitting here going, listen, I get it. And I know how to get you on the other side. Mm-hmm. I know how to do that. And it's, and it's, it's uncomfortable and it fucking sucks and it's painful, but it's beautiful when you come on the other side, because then you can go and show somebody else that love. It's mm-hmm. hard though, when you're closed and you're a wounded masculine or a wounded feminine, because there's that too, right? Manipulation and trying to control the boy and all this shit. Like Absolutely. it's hard to hear it. It's hard for them to receive it. So like, I know how I attempt to influence and infiltrate those type of people. What what are some of the ways that like, let's say you have a 19 year old young man in front of you and you see he's totally a wounded masculine. How would you even start the conversation with him where you know where you want to take him, Mm -hmm. but you know where he's at. What are some of the ways that you would start having that chat with him? Yeah. You find out where he wants to go. You find out who he wants to be and, and why, and you find out what's important to him. And luckily, I think a big thing, especially being a leader for young men, is having real-life accomplishments, having something that you've done that they can look up to. So for myself, I was a Division I athlete. Uh, I I was, you know, knocking at the door of a professional athlete, which every young man wants to do. I now have the business success. I now have, um, you know, a beautiful, loving relationship. I've got the house. I've got the pool. I've got the dogs, my nice truck. Like, I've got the things that they look at and say, oh, I want that. So you can show that to them as the, as the dangling carrot and mm-hmm. then show them here's the path to get there. And the path is all internal. One of, my, right. one of my students actually lives with me. He rents a room from me in my house and he's 20. And every time we get into one of our sessions, we do a weekly session with each other. And every single time it starts off with the external. Hey man, I want to accomplish this. Hey man, I want to do this. And by the end of our call, by the end of our talk, every time we go get in my truck and we go drive around and we do our hour long session. I talk well when I drive. Um, I think better when I drive. So that's what we do. And it all comes to, man, it's all internal. Every yeah. single session he's come back to that. Dang, it's, it really is all internal. Even the external things that I want, it starts with who I am as a human being. 
why I do what I do, why I wake up in the morning. And so when you can get that, you can dangle the carrot in front of them and say, you want this? Cool. Here's the work that it takes. And let me show you, you have to fix yourself. You have to do that shadow work. You have to come to grips with who you currently are. Now I did it. I'd spent a year and a half and I'd spend an hour, three days a week staring at myself in the mirror. And, and you meet yourself when you come to that point. Now I did it probably maybe one of the hardest ways you possibly can. And I forced myself to do it three days a week, set my phone aside, set the TV aside, and I would stare at myself in the mirror. I'd sit on the edge of my bed and my closet was like a sliding glass mirror in the trailer that I lived in. And for a year and a half, I just stared. I didn't talk. I didn't say anything. I just stared. And I said, I'm going to face whatever comes up, whatever demons come up, whatever angels come up, because I am very much both. And really just understand that these are all a piece of me. Once I get the information collected, then I get it. I get to filtering. Is this who I am? Does this serve my future self? Whenever I'm asked who my role model is, myself at 40 is my role model right now. Mm. When I get there, myself at 60 will be that role model. The question is, whenever I get to a crossroads in life, who do I need to be right now for my future self to look back and be proud? What is he going to be proud that he made that decision instead of this one? And when I can get to those points and when I can ask myself that and I can make my checks, the soft heart, thick skin, hard head, when I can check each one of those boxes and say, yes, this serves all three, then I get to move forward. And I just did it in a hard, arduous process. Now I I need to teach it to men who can do it, you know, in a few weeks or a few months of working with me. Um, I'm, I'm working on creating curriculum around it right now, but that's kind of the basis of it. Let's do our checks. Does this serve my future self? Does this serve my future family? Does this serve my future people who, who are going to look up to me and who need me? And when we're able to do those checks, again, you start to realize that while you thought the end goal was external, you thought it was the cars, the girls, the money, the everything, you realize the real benefit is who you get to become. You, begin, you get to become the guy who has all those things and say, I could lose it all and get it back with no problem. And like what's going on with COVID right now, you're really seeing the guys and the women who have done the work, the internal work, Mm -hmm. because they're not super phased by it. They've lost clients and they've gained clients and they've gone through the whole thing. And it's not the end of the world because they've been through much worse. They've gained that perspective and and are able to say, my business could close down tomorrow and I'll figure it out because I've done it over and over again. So teaching them the foundational tools to get you through whatever else happens in life or teaching how to think through life's problems as opposed to just like telling you the answer to what's happening right now. Or reacting always. Right. I mean, that's, that's the, I think that's the sort of like gun to the head. If you're reacting to everything, you're screwed. Like you need to, to, to slow down. So I'm just mindful of our time. Cause I feel like this one's going to go on forever too. This is every time I get on a call, I'm like, ah, I need two hours with everybody. Um, so how do you, so this is, this is a question really for you and, and, and how you show up, but as a man who understands all of this feminine energy, part of that is vulnerability. I mean, that's, that's, I would say probably the cornerstone of in your of feminine energy. And again, everybody, it's important to note that we're not talking about men and women, men, equally as, as women have masculine and feminine energy within them. Oh, yeah. um, and it's a, it's a balancing act. And there's some men who are more in their feminine and there's some women who are more in their masculine. And the problem is it does, there's no polarity and it doesn't feel balanced if it's always that way. But let's say, 
Um, you mentioned you're in a relationship. Do you are you comfortable showing up in that in any level of vulnerability with your with your partner? And then maybe talk a little bit about before you were comfortable because a lot of guys are uncomfortable with being vulnerable. Yeah. So talk a bit about that. Yeah. I think as you become more comfortable and aware of yourself, you're able to be more vulnerable. I've realized the men who, again, it's the rah-rah masculinity side. Mm. It's that I need to be hard all the time. And I've actually, I, I talked to my student here because he follows some guys like on Twitter who are, you know, it's the red pill guys. It's the, I'm hard all day long. And I asked him, I was like, do you think they're like that in front of their wives and children? And if they are, I feel bad for them. I, yeah. I feel bad that they can't shut that off because it all comes from insecurity. If I walk up to you and you have to give me this hard look of up and down, who are you? I know you don't feel good about yourself. Yep. And their whole thing is, well, I'm tough so you can't get close to me. My response is, I'm tough so you can get close to me. Oh, that's beautiful. Say that again. Yeah. So it's it's that shell of masculinity. It's, yep. it's the the faux masculinity. I'm tough so, you, so you'll never understand who I really am. You can't access my emotions because I'm too tough for that. Mine would be, you have access to all of me and I still don't think you can hurt me. Right. Because I've built myself up. I know who I am. I know what is true and what isn't true about me. Because I understand that you can come in, you can come all the way in. I'll give you a hug the first time I meet you because I'm not worried at the end of the day. I know I can protect myself physically, mentally, and emotionally, and those around me as well. And because they know that, they're able to be more open. I'm able to cry because I know it doesn't take away from the fact that you know I'll handle anything that happens in the middle of crying, in the middle of me breaking down. Something happens, I can snap back into who I need to be right now for the people who need me. And so for me, what I teach men is you need to earn that from the women around you. You need to earn, my, my, one of my students loves telling jokes, he loves being goofy. And I said, you're only allowed to be goofy with your woman when she knows that you can snap back into that thing. If there's a threat, if there's something happening, if there's some impending danger, she needs to know you're not going to be jokey jokey when somebody's, you know, grabbing her inappropriately in public. When somebody's saying inappropriate things to her with you standing right there. You, she needs to know that you have her back and that you are her protector in that way, then you get to earn jokey joke. So what I tell people is you can be vulnerable up to the point where your power, where your power starts to diminish. If your vulnerability makes people think they can take advantage of you, that's when it may be time to reel it in and start mm -hmm. working on the power and, and leadership side, side of yourself, that confidence side. Because I can go up on stage and be vulnerable and nobody assumes that I'm weak because of it. And I think mm -hmm. it's a masculine thing. I think it's, it's a thing that men need to take into account. And I really do believe that wholeheartedly. Um, I think there always needs to be, the way my friends and, and followers on Facebook will explain to me is like, it, it look, I look like a teddy bear that you can come up and hug. But I'm not quite the teddy bear you want to poke. And you probably right. wouldn't cry because of what may happen after that. But it doesn't stop you from coming up and giving me a hug and talking to me and, and feeling comfortable with me. I want to make you feel comfortable around me. But I don't want to make you feel comfortable uh, getting one over on me. I don't right. want you to feel comfortable like you can manipulate me. And so there is that balance of vulnerable and confident and, and masculine and feminine. Anytime I'm learning, anytime I'm receiving, when I pray, when I meditate, I'm in my feminine. And I'm totally cool with it because I can snap back whenever I need to. And so the ability to have that and just the repetitions that it takes to do that, um, I'd say that's where people start. Like you said, it, it's not something people can do right at the beginning. 
but it's just like anything else, just like working out, learning a new skill. It's repetitions. How do I learn how to meditate and then go work out or do a boxing thing or then go do a gun training class or then go do something very masculine right afterwards and teach myself to transition? Right. Like I, for myself, I do um, psilocybin mushrooms probably about once a week. And I know oh. that's my time. to. I'm in my feminine at that point. My family knows. My followers know. Like, this is my time to receive. I'm downloading right. at this point. Yep. I'm being vulnerable. I'm getting in touch with my emotions from the week. I'm getting in touch with myself through the week. But I also understand I get to switch back as soon as I'm done. Or I get to switch right. back right in the middle of something happens. But I create that space for myself to, to understand my feminine and to be there and to know that this is a very powerful portion of me. I think men should be able to still feel powerful while you're being in your feminine. Mm-hmm. And realize we do. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's, it's creation. It's you guys are the mm-hmm. creators. You guys are the thing. You guys are the, the powerhouse. We're the thing that goes out and conquers, but we have to have space for that. What creates that space is I know I can come home and, and lay my head on my girlfriend's lap after I'm done doing whatever I've done with business or with whatever during the day. And I know that there's that balance. There's that polarity, like you said, that's incredibly important. Yeah. And it's, I, I, you know, you're talking about, um, like there, there is that balance, right. Of, I like how you say it's not, it's, you know, you can come up and hug me, but you also need to know that you can't take advantage of me. Mm-hmm. And that's, but I think a lot of people don't, it's one or the other for them and women too, right? Like if we're in our feminine or a masculine rather, and those are the ones who are like, I don't need a man and they're fucking snapping and like bobbing and I don't need you to do this and all that kind of stuff. And, and like Tony even talks about the three um, U's and C's. So the three C's are to make a man go into his feminine is make him feel controlled, close off from him physically and emotionally and criticize him. And you do that enough times and the man's like, all right, I'm out. And mm-hmm. it not necessarily I'm out, I'm leaving you, but I'm checking out. And then there's no... For sure. Right. And, and that is a lot, you know, I mean, you said it at the start, like taking their balls back and all this kind of stuff. And that's a harsh way to put it, but it really is confusing right now because women have been conditioned since the eighties to not need a man. And men have been conditioned to just let the woman do whatever the hell she wants. Mm -hmm. And that's not polarity. We want to, like, I'm happy to lead my companies, but I'm also happy to come home and not have to lead my household. Right. And then giving the grace to the man to allow him to lead it. And I love that you're saying, you know, you could be in a, in a, doing mushrooms and have to snap back into, you know, your position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, you know, a lot of women, men, I think a lot of men are confused by what women want. Yeah. And I think the top pillar for most women, especially women that listen to the show and who are powerful and business women is confidence. We want to know you have our back. You want to and feel safe. Yeah, and that's safe. it. By us and around us. And, and right. that's why it's not just physical. Right, you, it's, it almost has nothing to do with the physical. No, my girlfriend, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i six foot six. I'm a big guy, ex-football player. My girlfriend's five foot two. But she used to date Oh my a God, she's teeny. Yeah. She's tiny. And, and she used to date a bodybuilder before me. And she'll tell me, she's like, I didn't feel safe with him in public right. ever. Because I knew if something happened, he was going to worry about himself. Right. And he was going to worry about his safety above mine. And that's not something that makes me feel comfortable. Right. Now, she also didn't feel safe 
opening up to him or being vulnerable about past experiences because it had to turn into being about him or had to turn into he couldn't create space for her. Men want to feel respected. Women want to feel protected. At, at our base, at our core level, if I don't feel respected, I'm not showing up how you need yep. me to. If you don't feel protected, you're not going to show up how I need you to. Right. And now we can do the caveat. Not every relationship like this. Sometimes there's a woman that's more dominant. She wants a, that's, a man that's more feminine. But I'm talking to the 90-something percent of, right. of relationships where this is the case. This is the case. You need the polarity. You need her to feel this way to open up to you. You need him to feel this way to step up for you. Yeah. And that, and the, the unsafe thing I think is across the board, the biggest one, because especially, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk and Brendan talks about it. Tony talks about uncertainty, right? Like this is the most uncertain time of our lifetime. And even at the beginning of COVID, I instantly, like I went to date with destiny and I came back in December and I was really aware of my feminine energy and what that looks like. And I came back Mm -hmm. and then COVID happened and I immediately went back into masculine. Cause I'm like, holy shit, I had to make sure shit's okay. And with the business and all that kind of thing. And it's hard, like truthfully, it's been a challenge the last three months, really trying to figure this out and how, how I can hold space for myself, Never mind have him hold space for me. Um, so talk a little bit about, I mean, is your girlfriend into this, into personal development as well as she kind of in the same understanding level as you? Okay. But we grew up in the same hometown where it's not, people don't talk about it, but that's actually what attracted me to her. Um, we went to the same, we actually went to high school together. She graduated oh, a year before I did. That's cool. But we knew of each other. We didn't know each other. So we weren't friends in high school, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I was like one of the big time football players in my high school. Um, we had very similar friend groups, but we didn't know each other until we've been following each other online since probably 2012 and really paying attention to each other since like 2015 to the point where when we met, we didn't actually meet until this last December. Wow. And yeah, it was the first time we ever met in person, but we felt like we knew each other because I'd been following her very closely since 2015, not knowing she'd also been following me very closely since 2015. We had just never said anything to each other about it. There was a congratulations when you get a win in your business. There was a like, hello here and there, but there was never the conversation of, Hey, I'm actually really into you. Right. And it's been like that for the last five years until we actually met each other and the chemistry was just on fire because awesome. we had both separately been doing the work to invite right. that person in, not knowing she was my person and I was her person that we were preparing ourselves for. Hmm. That's, that's yeah. beautiful. And it's the, and it's the truth. I know I, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I did a, I made a list of the ideal partner for me and then I became yep. that list. Mm-hmm. Like the work takes a lot of work to do it. (laughs) So she had reached out to me in 2017 about relationships. And I told her, make a list. And I said, you, you have your wants and your needs list, two lists, your needs list. He has to check every single box. Those are your non-negotiables. Every single box has to be checked or else it's a no-go. Your wants list is the things that you're willing to come forward or backwards on. You're willing to compromise certain ones for others. And what she said was whenever she would date a guy, what she was doing subconsciously was comparing them to me because her list was me. Her list was who she saw and how I showed up. And I did the same exact thing with my list. We can, we haven't shown each other our lists yet, but it was her. Whenever I was comparing other women, I was comparing them to who I saw her as. 
Mm-hmm. And that's way when I met her, I wasn't surprised. You were exactly who I thought you would be because I've, I've had you written down for the last five years. Right. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. So, so before we wrap up, I want to ask you a couple of what are some ways that you help keep her and her feminine? And then what are some ways that you see that she keeps you and your masculine? Yeah. Um, well, I'd say starting with her, she knows how to, how to hold space for me to be the masculine. She knows how to allow me to lead. And again, it's an earned position. I know I've had to earn it. I know I had to pursue her. I know like she made me pursue. She made me show here's how far I'm willing to go. She was living in Austin, Texas when we first started talking. I think I flew out there four times in two months to go visit her. Wow. And I had no problem with it because this is what I want. I know what I want. And, and here I am. I showed up. I had to earn that though. And so now she, she allows me to lead. She allows me to be that. And I think with her, again, I've shown physically, emotionally, and mentally that I'm there. I've shown when we're getting you know, intimate and I feel her close down a little bit. And I know it's not something to do with me. I know it's something to do with somebody else. And there's a crossroad there for a lot of guys. You feel mm-hmm. the woman closing down. It's either I shall get over it and kind of push forward. Or there's the let me stop myself, even though I know what I want right now. Let me stop and let's have the conversation. And we had a few of those conversations at two or three o'clock in the morning. And we end up talking until the sun comes up. Because I was able to create that space for her, she's able to be in the feminine. I'm allowed to be masculine. And, and we have an amazing dynamic. But again, we've earned it from each other. We've earned it because we've stopped um, the initial desire to say, hey, here's work we need to do as a foundational piece of our relationship in order to have this last and be the thing that we want it to be forever. And I think it's because we came into it with intentionality and neither of us needed one another. When I first, mm. the first time I took her out uh, on a date, she told me, hey, I'm not ready to date anybody. Uh, she started off actually, I'm not a fan of yours. Cause I told her the last woman I dated before her, it felt like I was dating a fan and it, it just was a turnoff. Everything I did was yeah. perfect. Everything I did was incredible. And if I was 20, that would have been amazing. That's what I was looking for. I've been through too much. I've done too much at this point. My ego doesn't need to be stroked. I don't need that from you. Um, It's just not something I was looking for. And so she sits down at lunch and says, hey, I just want you to know I'm not a fan of yours. (laughs) Like, oh, interesting. I thought I did something wrong. Yeah. And maybe 10 minutes later, she's like, I'm also not in a position to date anybody, which I told her later. I didn't tell her at first, but I was on the phone with one of my students. He knew I was out in Austin. He lives with me. And I said, when she told me she wasn't ready to date, I knew it didn't mean she wasn't ready to date. I knew it meant she wasn't ready to get hurt again. Right. So I couldn't then tell her that right in the moment. I couldn't say, hey, no, you really are ready to date. You've just been hurt in the past, blah, blah, blah. Like, I can't blurt that out there. Right. All I can say is, okay, I understand, but I do want to get close to you. I do want to know you a little bit better. So we maintain that. And over the next month, I just start breaking down barriers. What, what did he do? What did those guys do? What did they exhibit that made you feel unsafe? And I just started breaking down all the walls she had. I went back out over, over uh, Valentine's Day and everything was different from the first time I went out. All the walls were down because I paid attention, because I gave her that space, because I showed I'm interested in this. I'm interested in, in knowing what hurt you in the past to make you say I'm not ready to date. Again, I'm not ready to get hurt again. And I now need to show I'm not the person who's interested in hurting you. 
I'm the person who's interested in never letting you feel any sort of pain again. And I, I and I fall short of that sometimes. I'll fall, I, I've, I've seen the look on her face and I've done something that, that doesn't make her feel safe. And I, I can't stand to see that look, which is why this works out so well. And it's not about, at that point, it's not about like, oh, she feels bad. It's, I can't handle her looking like that, mm-hmm. uh, being the cause of it at, at a certain point. I'll say something insensitive and I see the look and I, and I know that's enough punishment for, for a lifetime. And that's how kind of you, you realize that this is the right person for me because anybody else, I'd tell them to shake it off and chill out. But with this person, it's a, it's the effect is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So I think creating that dynamic, you, you ju- it's just undeniable when you feel it. And I know how to, to walk men through the tactics of back and forth and seeing what she says versus what she really means. But you don't know until you really feel what that looks like mm-hmm. and have to walk that road with somebody. Have you ever read The um, Way of the Superior Man? I feel I like you probably have. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to get David on the show. I love it. Yeah. And Alison Armstrong is coming on and she wrote The Queen's Code. Yeah. And um, so that's super exciting as well. But, you know, what I will say is that we just want you to be our hero. We don't ever want to fight you. Mm-hmm. And like David says in that book, like we're, you know, we are tornadoes. We're totally irrational. We're fucking crazy sometimes. (laughs) And we need you to just stand there and look at us and be like, look how beautiful and insane she is right in this moment. Don't judge us. Don't tell us we're wrong. Like we have hormones. You'll never understand. Like there's times of the, I actually do charting now where in my business, there's days when I know I'm extra creative and I will double down and, and push out way more content. Cause I know the week before my period, I'm not doing shit and I'm honoring that. But like, it's beautiful when a man can stand in our presence. Cause I feel like that's what it is. You're just, you're witnessing it and you're witnessing it in this beautiful way where you're holding space for us mm-hmm. and learning and understanding that it has nothing to do with you. But that takes fortitude. That takes it an does. understanding of yourself that a lot of people don't have to be able right. to stand in the eye of that storm and say, this isn't <laughs> about me. And right. to be able to say, like you said, look how beautiful you are, even in the middle of this. Right. When I do it with my female clients as well. Again, I, I work with seven, eight figure female clients who have had to be in their masculine in the last 20 years. Right. And when they get into it with me, one, they know you're not going to out masculine me. I'm sorry. I, I'm just, this is who I am. This is how I operate. You're, you don't have testosterone that helps you out like I do. Yep. I'm going to out masculine you. So the fight isn't worth it. You'd much, you'd be much better working with me when you can be in your tornado and I can say, Hey, I see you. I understand you. What do you need from me right now? And you may be able to be receptive of that. You don't need to not become a tornado. You're going to become a tornado. Right. I understand. Again, I yep. grew up with a single mom. I've got eight younger girl cousins that I grew up with. I've seen it. I know what that looks like. You just need to be receptive to when I say, Hey, I understand I'm here to be able to let that safety net catch you for a minute and say, you're allowed to be vulnerable, step back out of the masculine. But that's, again, that's a space you have to hold and not everybody has it. You've got to come yeah. to the understanding of yourself first. If you don't understand yourself, you can't possibly be that for somebody else. 
Yeah, it was interesting. I was when I one of the times I really got it because my coach was I have a female coach now. I have a Tony coach now, and she's incredible, and she's learning a lot about this through me, which is kind of cool. But the coach I had before, he was very much an alpha dog, but a quiet alpha dog, Mm -hmm. and I could never understand why I would get there and I would be like, I would just relax, like I would make jokes, I would laugh, like I wasn't on you know, and I could never, I didn't really understand it. And it was like, it was a year or two ago now or a year and a half ago now. But I said to him, you're an alpha dog and you're out alphaing me in a way that I can feel safe to go into my beta. Because here's the real talk. We don't want to be alpha. We don't. I don't give a fuck who you are. Every woman who's like, I prefer to be, no, you do not. You are full of shit. Like, it's just not the way I could, but if somebody, and, and that's, I think the beautiful challenge for men is handling women who think they want to be alpha and then just beautifully letting them know, like you said, you're not going to outmasculine me. Yeah. And eventually the woman will go, oh, thank God. Thank you. They'll fight it at first. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I had to sit and laugh with my girlfriend a few times the first few times we met because she'd step into the masculine. Again, she knows I teach this stuff. She knows I know it. Yeah. But that might be a little like, scary though, knowing you know the in and outs of it all. That might be a little intimidating. I told her last night, because I, I mean, I've studied down to like micro expressions with people. Um, and I, she was like, I know you know what I mean every time I say something that I don't mean. I know you know how to receive it. I know you know how to take it. So like, she's also safe to combust sometimes because I'm not going to get scared away. I, I'm, I'm here. We're okay. We're all right. But the ability, again, to, to be receptive to that, where I, one of my female clients, luckily she lives near me, so she's been around me physically as well. Um, she's in her mid-50s, and she loves dating big black men who are, are incredibly childish, so she can mother them. Oh. What I explained to her is, and this is most powerful women, and powerful women is going to hurt a little bit. But, <laughs> brace yourselves, ladies. Yeah, brace yourselves. <laughs> I want to come at it from a very understanding point. And this is what I usually explain to them. The masculines hurt you in the past. You've been taken advantage of. It was, it was your dad. It was your brother. It was, it was another man that you dated. It was somebody where the masculine has wounded you. So you've created a masculine shell to protect the feminine. What you've actually done is you've smothered her to death. You've smothered your feminine by believing if I can't trust the masculine, I have to become the masculine. I've actually had female clients who swear up and down that they were born and they were lesbian and three months of working with me, they are in love with powerful men and can't explain why. Mm. And I think some people are born like that. Some people are made that by experience. If I can't trust the masculine, I need to be the masculine and all I can date and all I can be seduced by is the feminine. When I allow you to be feminine, sometimes all of a sudden you love powerful men. Oh, I haven't looked at men like that in a while. And there's something about this guy that I really like. Yep. While still creating the boundary of, hey, I'm not that guy for you. I got somebody at home. But the ability to, to look and say, this same client said, I haven't giggled in front of a man in like 15 years. Right. I haven't been able to giggle like belly laugh in front of a man because what if he takes that as weakness? What if he thinks he can take advantage of me because I'm being open with him? And I started to realize a lot of my work is with powerful women. A lot of my work is with wounded men, but a lot of my work is women who have convinced themselves they have to be masculine in order to not be taken advantage of and, and realize how much they're restricting themselves from who they're supposed to be as a creator, as a, a space holder, 
I, I mean, these women launch like rocket launch when we actually get into you're allowed to be a woman again, you're allowed to be feminine while still creating boundaries and making men prove themselves to you. Right. Well, that's literally the, the tagline is help, you know, the feminine rediscovering your feminine energy and still kicking ass in business Absolutely, because we, it's not one or the other. It, it's not like women in their feminine running companies. That's a powerful, powerful thing. Like that's rocket fuel. Yeah. Um, what a beautiful expression of all the things I talk about from a man's perspective. Like I can't even explain to you how much I appreciate all of what you just said. And it's, and I feel you and I, and, and that's the thing that I really, you know, I want people to understand. I know it's difficult on a podcast, even through video, but just leaning into this, like even in this moment, I feel very safe. And that in that, in that space, of safety, I'm way more resourceful. I can be more creative. I can, you know, like ideas start to flow and I'm not so bottled. Like I'm not, there's no chokehold on any of it because it's flowing. And gentlemen that are listening, this is where the power is, you know, like this is it. And it's not aggressive and it's not, you're not being an asshole. You're being, you're being the magician, the hero, the king, the priest, all of those archetypes we talk about. And it's work though, right? I mean, it's work for both of us. It's work. Yep. Wow. Well, thank you so much for, I I would love to have you on. And I would actually love to have you and your girlfriend on at some point. We're doing, I've been having couples on and it is unbelievable. (laughs) Like it is there. There's a Travis and Paola roster were on a couple weeks ago. If you have a second to catch it, it's fascinating, especially when both understand it. It's incredible. So I would love to invite you guys back. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Um, Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah. So um, most of my content on Facebook, I'm working on Instagram. Um, Facebook, my personal is facebook.com slash Kyrie Oliver 1994. Send me a friend request, but also send me a message. I get friend requests and I won't look at it for the most part. Um, Send me a message send me a question, look at something I've posted that you disagree with and ask me what I mean. Um, just engage with me in some way, shape or form that, that, that we can have like a good conversation about. And I'm always open to it. Uh, my Instagram is just at Kyrie, K-Y-R-E-E. And those are probably the two best platforms to get in touch with me. But um, yeah, let me know what you thought of, of this. If anybody's listening, let me know if you agree or disagree with anything, questions, anything at all. Kinda, yeah, let's just um, open the conversation. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, my friend. It was really, really beautiful chatting with you. And let's definitely stay in touch and connect again soon. Yeah. Thank you again. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.